we, we talk about how to read the Bible. You'll remember when I first came, we had six uh, little things that we did. We read the Bible slowly. You remember that? You read too fast, you miss things. Uh, you take, what do you take? Pictures. You ask. Okay, you read between. You look for attitude and you dig with the little spiritual trowel. The portion of scripture that we're going to share this morning is, is not new. I, I don't know how many times I've read it, but when I was going over it for this message, I'm going, oh, really? I didn't see that. And oh, wow. And you're going to see some things this morning that bring Abraham and his son Isaac very close to being a type of God and his son Jesus. And we speed through the reading and we don't catch what's going on. The title this morning is Testing, one, two, three. How many have ever been to an auditorium where somebody comes up to the microphone and goes, Testing, one, two, three, testing. They want to make sure it's working. They want to make sure that what they need to produce what they're supposed to produce, they have the equipment to do it. And they're hoping that somebody in the sound system department was obedient to the rules. Were you obedient to the rules? Thank you, dear. This is a great lady back there taking care of sound and everything else. She does wonderful things for me. So I want you to go to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read the first 19 verses. We'll come in and out of this chapter. But I want you to see some things. And maybe if you'll look closely, you'll see some things you never saw before. Remember, we're looking at Abraham and Isaac as a type of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Stop right there. Don't go any further. Who does God think he is he could test you? I mean, come on, God, who do you think you are? Don't, don't raise your hand. How many have ever felt that way? You know, you're going, you, just, you don't understand it. It came about that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And Abraham said, what do you want? I'm busy. No. Please look at what's going on. Abraham responds and says, here I am. Oh, hello? Here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, listen, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Oh, Lord God. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men, two. He took two. Hello. Keep thinking about some of these things. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, what day? Say it again. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. <clears throat> and Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Don't forget that verse. Let me read it again. Can you go back, dear? Abraham said, stay here with the donkey. He's talking to the men. I and the lad will go over there and we will worship 
and return to you. Thank you. <clears throat> Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father, he said, here I am, son. And he said, you know, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I hope you're taking pictures. I hope you're asking questions. Verse 10. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But, you know I love the word but. But the angel, and, and notice something, the angel of the Lord, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Don't stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. That word fear means respect and love. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. And said, by myself, the angel's talking, the angel, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens, as of the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed... All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived in Beersheba. Okay. Boy, I, I hope you're taking pictures. I hope you're not just reading between the lines, but you're feeling what's going on between the lines. At this point in Abraham's life, he's about 125 years old, which makes Isaac 25. And you can go back and check your computers and, and all that stuff. You, you'll see the designations of timelines. Isaac is not a little boy. He's a grown man. Okay? Uh, the next chapter, I think, says that uh, Sarah lived to be 127, something like that. So we've got a grown man in our situation here. And Abraham is an old man, 125 years old. <clears throat> In verse 1, God speaks, and Abraham responds and says, Here I am. Here I am. 
If we're to succeed in our ministry, whatever the ministry of New Hope is, we must hear and respond. Whether that's a personal ministry or a corporate ministry as a church, we need to recognize the voice of God no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. Abraham recognized his voice and he responds, here I am. Right now, here I am. And we've got to do the same to respond to the Lord. In verse 2, maybe we don't want to respond, here I am. Maybe we'd just like to put a sign out on the window, closed, for, closed on Sundays. But not Abraham. Here's the word from God. Take your son. Your only son. Are you connecting the dots here? Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Now, let's not forget something. Isaac is not the only son. Who else is a son? What's his name? But he's not the right one. Okay, so let's push him aside. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, Go to the land of Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I don't like that verse. See, I want to I write some things in there. I want to write things like, no, 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 I can't do that. Of course, none of you would say that, would you? Take your son, the one you love. And you're going to offer him up to me as a sacrifice. And I'm looking to God, I'm saying... What? What do you mean? This son is the love of my life. This son is the miracle son. My wife was barren and that was an old man. I couldn't produce. She couldn't produce. You produced this son through us and now you want me to kill him? Take your son. Sacrifice him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19 says this, so that you understand. Hebrews is now telling us what's happened back there. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. We have, we're starting a beginning thing, God is, with this man, and we'll see it by the end when we get through. You and I have to decide what we're going to do when God says, Rudy, Gary, Jason, are we going to, I'm sorry, I'm closed on Sunday. Or are we going to respond, here am I, okay? What? Abraham is saying here is, I serve a God of miracles. There is no argument with Abraham. He's not saying, God, you're making a mistake. Why are you doing this? What are you trying to do? He's not going in that direction. He believes that he serves a God of miracles, and he's not arguing with God, but rather he's trusting God. That's why Abe and Isaac are a type of God and Jesus. You'll see it as we go through God knows <clears throat> that Abraham loves his son. But I suggest to us, respectfully, God knows everything. He knows what you've gone through. Trust me, sir, madam, 
I don't care what it is. He knows what you've gone through. And he knows why you have gone through it. He knows what started that thing. And he still loves you. He knows what Abraham is going through. And he loves Abraham. And he loves Abraham because Abraham loves God, loves his, his family, and loves to be obedient. Verse 4 and 5, back in Genesis. Interesting couple of verses. They're, they're now moving. They're, they're, they're traveling. Okay. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance, the place where he's going to have to make the sacrifice. Okay. And Abraham said to his young men, two young men, stay here with the donkey. Don't come with me. This is a private thing between me and God and my son. And I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Where did it say anything about worship in this whole thing? Why is Abraham coming up with that line? What is causing him to say to these two young men, we're going someplace, my son and I, and we're going to worship. Oh, and by the way, after we're done worshiping, we're going to return to you. When you decide that your life my life has to depend on our worship to God, things will change. When you decide the most important thing is to obey and worship, obey and worship, obey and worship, when you decide that, we will worship and return to you. Who said anything about worship to begin with in this problem? God didn't say anything about going to, to, to this mountain in worship. God said, you're going to go to this mountain, you're going to sacrifice. But Abraham has chosen to obey. And when we choose to obey, God begins to do things in our lives that we don't even know about. God changes our attitude when we choose to obey. And this old man is thinking about having to kill his son, Gary, but he's also thinking about worshiping God at the same time. I don't know how he does this. I can't figure this one out. My brain won't let me do that unless I factor in the will of God for my life, which he holds in his hand. Does he hold the will of God for your life in his hand? I don't hold it. God got you in his hand? Jacob, absolutely. Absolutely. Jacob just last week gave his heart to the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And he's just going to turn 16. When? Monday. I was 16 when I gave my heart to the Lord. Did God know about that? Do you think God was surprised when I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 16? Do you think he was surprised when you came here and I prayed with you? I'm an old man now, but I remember. He said, we're going to go and we're going to return after we've done our duty with God. Well, okay, very good. I have a question. I always have questions. Who is carrying the load? Verse 6. We got wood. <laughs> the old man, Abraham, Abraham, <laughs> 
He's got a knife in one hand and the fire pot in the other. That's not very heavy. Who's carrying the wood? Oh, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. Okay. John chapter 19, verse 7. I want you to see the picture. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross. Who's carrying the wood? The one who's dying, the one who's giving the, making the sacrifice, the one who decides he's going to be obedient, the one who cherishes God so much so that he wants to obey no matter what, he's the one that bears the wood, bears the cross, bears the way to the place that's called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is Golgotha. How many have been to Israel seen this place? Anyone? Yes, okay. The two of us have been to Israel. Thank you. You weren't there when I was there. Because I would have remembered that, because that naughty, I would have remembered that naughty lady. I would just. <laughs> the boy is carrying the burden of destruction. Jesus was carrying the burden of his destruction so that his demise, so to speak, would take the burden off of you and me. You see why it's so important when you read the Bible, you dig and dig. And dig until these verses in Scripture come out to you. Verse, go back to verse 7 in, in Genesis. We got the fire. We've got the knife. And in verse 7, Isaac speaks to Abraham, his father. Says, hey, Dad, can you hear him? I have a question, Dad. Here I am, son. He's always here I am, isn't he? Here I am, son. Uh, Dad, <clears throat> I got a problem. I can see the fire because you're holding it. Okay? And, and you've got the knife. I've got the wood. Where's the lamb? How many times have you gone through life and you got everything like seemingly in nice order, but all of a sudden there's something missing? Isaac is not a dummy. Isaac is very faithful to his father. He's very obedient, which is why he's a type of Christ. But he's, I see the stuff you got, but, but Dad, where is the We're missing something important, Dad. I see the tools of death, the wood, the knife. I see all that, but something's wrong, Daddy. I don't see the lamp. Jesus never said that because it was already agreed upon before the creation of the earth. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit agreed that when Adam and Eve sinned, there'd have to be a sacrifice. And Jesus said, I'll do it. Isaac, a young man, doesn't quite understand the pattern, yet he will. And Abraham says this in verse 8. He understands why his son is saying what he's saying. Can I say something here? No matter who you are, no matter what your age is, you will have questions about life. You will have questions about what you're going through. 
You will have questions about so-and-so who's doing this to you or so-and-so who said that. You're going to have questions. You are going to have questions. But you've got to understand what Abraham is saying to his son right now. Abraham is saying, I understand your question, son. But hang on. Because my faith is so great in God, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. That's the hardest thing to do. God will provide. Do you really believe this? This is our struggle. We fight this, Gary, all the time. I don't care what we do in life. God, you're really going to show up? God, do you know what we're going through right now? Do you know what we just went through and it, it, we barely made it? You really going to provide? My wife and I were on the road for 10 years as evangelists to little churches like this. This was our mission preaching in little churches, getting little love offerings. My first love offering was $35 for the week. I think I told you that. God will provide. When I needed to buy a motorhome, there was a check in the mail for $10,000. Another check for $5,000. God didn't come out of my pocket. God will provide. We were on the road for a few years, and all of a sudden, someone pushed a check in front of me. Dear friend, opened up the envelope. There was another check for 10000 See, he's saying to his son, you don't know what God's going to do. What you do know is what you're supposed to be doing. You know that I've called you to do this, this, this. No hope. What are we supposed to be doing? And don't say, I you know, I see the knife and I see the wood, but where's the... God will provide. I don't know what that means to you. I know what it means to me because I've been there. And I've seen God make the provision. God will provide. Do you really, really, really believe this? This is our point of struggle. Question. <laughs> Do I see God in this test or is it the devil? Am I willing to go through with this? Do I really believe God has called me to do this? Can I trust God in this test? Folk, we all say this. I'm not, I'm not spanking you for saying We all do this. This is our human nature. I don't understand it, Anthony. I don't understand certain things, and I'm a grown man, but I still don't understand. And I have to come to the point where I'm saying, I've got to trust God. I've got to trust God. I didn't make this mess. You didn't make your mess, most of you. Some of you may have contributed to your mess. I've contributed to some of my mess. But you understand what I'm saying? And this is the point where you have to grab a hold of the altar and say, God will provide. Okay. So Abe, in verse 9, builds the altar. He built the altar. He arranged the wood. He knows what he's doing. And then he bound his son Isaac. <laughs> oh, I don't believe this, do you? Abe's 125 years old. Isaac is 25. Are you kidding me? 
An old man is going to take a young man, strong, and tie him up and say, sorry, son, i got to do this to you. What's going on here? Not only does Abraham want to trust God, but Isaac is saying, if my father believes in God to this extent, then I have to believe also. I have to have the same faith that dad has, or I'll never make it in life. And the son obeys the father. He just gives over his will to the father so that the father may obey God. Some things will be taken out of your hands to do. Someone else will have to do it. But in giving them the responsibility and the privilege of doing it, they will be walking along with you hand by hand and taking you through this process that you would never gotten through by yourself. He arranged the wood, got it all fixed up. I can see Isaac watching him. They built the altar probably together. They arranged the wood probably together. And then Daddy looked at his son and said, Okay, kid, jump on board. And there's no fight between father and son. Was there a fight between God the Father and God the Son? When Jesus was going to the cross, was there a fight between God the Father and God? There was obedience. Obedience that saved your life, Jason, and mine. The Lord will provide, son. Okay, dad. And so he binds Isaac so Isaac can't get away and somehow lifts him up on that altar. The reason there's no argument between father and son, as I've already said, is because the son believes in his father and the son believes that daddy has heard from God. Those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about when You've said to your children at one point or the other, we have to do this. But dad, but dad, I know, I know the but dad thing. I know that. But we've got to do this. And then God shows up and provides what we could not provide. Isaac is submitting to his father. Jesus submitted to his father. Do you remember Jesus saying to his disciples and over and over again? He said, I'm going to have to die Am I telling the truth? And the disciple says, no, you can't. Peter didn't want him to go to the cross. Peter, Peter got in his face. We're not going to let you go to the cross. And Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus made it known that he was going to have to do some suffering, some sacrificing for them. And they didn't want that because they would lose him. And don't you think Abraham was looking at his son as he finally laid him on the altar and he's looking at him and he's saying to himself as a father, I'm about to lose my son. But Jesus told the disciples he'd be back. And Abraham is depending on God that God will provide. Isaac is submissive. Jesus was submissive. Do you remember in the garden what Jesus prayed? We forget a lot of things in Scripture because we just slide right through them. Jesus is in the garden. He's praying great Drops of blood, the sweat, right? And he's saying, God, remember, if there's any other way, 
Can we go over the script again, Father? I mean, come on, can we just scratch off something? Is there any, if there's any other way? But then he said this, but not my will, but thine be done. Unless we get to the place in life, beloved, I don't care how old you are, I don't care what you're doing, what you haven't done, or what you still have to do, unless we get to the place where we can say, but not my will, but thine be done, you will be going Crashing down all the time. He stretched out his knife. How do you feel when you've got your son on the altar? How do you feel when you've got your knife in your hand? How do you think God felt when he's watching his son being beaten, his back laid open, pressing that crown of thorns on his head till his blood began, his head began to bleed? Banging nails into his hands, banging nails into his feet, shoving a spear in his side. How do you think God felt? Isaac is a type of Jesus. Abraham is a type of God. Obedience. Well, this, and this is important to hear. I mean this seriously. Obedience, this is where the spiritual rubber meets the road. This is where you have to decide, where I have to decide, is it worth it? Should I keep serving God? Gee, Anthony, I don't know. Do I want to, do I want to keep doing this for God? I, I keep seeing these problems. We're, we're all going to see problems. We're going to grow up with certain things. We're, we're going to have to deal with certain, But those problems will sharpen you and cause you to be better than you could ever be in your life. And Isaac says, okay, Daddy, you believe in God? You, you want to obey God? Okay. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey you. And Jesus said to his father, okay, daddy, I'm ready. I'm going to obey. I need to move on. He's got him on the altar of wood. He's got the fire. He's got the knife. Verse 11 and 12. But the angel of the Lord, stop right there. I've said this before, and you may remember it. Most theologians, almost all theologians worth their salt, believe that when you see in the Old Testament the phrase, the angel, not an, not an angel, but the angel of the Lord, it is a reference to Jesus Christ before he was born. Hello? Guess who's talking to Abe? Guess who's giving Abe good information? Guess who's trying to get Abe to the point where Abe will obey like Jesus knows his father will obey because he will obey his father. It is Jesus talking to him. It is Jesus saying, he stretched out his hand, angel of the Lord called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham. And what did Abraham say? I'm busy right now. No, no, here I am. He's always ready to hear from the Lord. Is there so much going on in our lives that we're too busy? To hear from God. Here I am. Verse 12. Do not stretch out your hand against the lead. This is the verse I like. This is the verse that Abraham's looking for. This is certainly the verse that Isaac's looking for. Do not stretch out your hand against the lead. Do nothing to him. Why? Because now I know who you are. Now I know you fear God. Now I know that you're not willing to hold anything back, but you're willing to give me all of yourself so that I can give to you 
everything you need. Are we saying, here I am, Lord? Or are we saying, I'm too busy today, it's closed on Sunday? Don't touch the boy. Now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you respect me. Now I know that you're willing to obey. You're willing to obey. Your willingness to obey is greater than your love for flesh. You know Abraham loved his son, just like you know God loved his son. This, verse, verse 13, come on, folk, you've got to be with me here. This is what Abe was looking for. Abe raises his eyes, and behold, behind him, there's this ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Ah, how about that? He was there all the time. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up for the burnt offering in the place of his son. What does God have to provide for you so that you can put that in the place that you thought was very, 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 very special to you? And obviously his son was very special. What does God have to provide? Where's the ram that you need? I don't know what that is. We're all different. We all have different needs. Okay? But here I am. Don't touch your boy. And Abraham is saying, verse 8, don't, don't go there. Abraham is saying, God will supply. And I'm telling you now, church, listen to me. Your private lives, you, you know I don't stick my nose into your private businesses. I don't. But the corporation, this church, has to decide, what do we want from God? We want to see this place filled? I do. Before Jesus takes me home to be with him, I want to see this place filled every Sunday. Not for me, but so that God can see there are people in this community who are finding Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. This is what Abraham was looking for, the sacrifice. And this is what we as a church need to be looking for. But what do we have to sacrifice to get the place filled with hungry people who definitely need Jesus? I don't know that. We're all different. Our personal lives are different. But corporately, as a, as a body, what do we need to do so that we know we're not withholding anything from God, that we are res willing to respond to the test? The sacrifice was already there. God is never late. So, he named the place, the Lord will provide. I say this only because it's true, and it humbles me when I think about it. My wife and I and our family, but my wife and I especially those 10 years on the road, we found out that God does provide. We found that out. You think I'm going to stop believing now? While my boys were all preaching, doing their thing in different cities in this country, mom and I were driving all over the country with our motorhome, pulling our car, and the Lord will provide. You don't know the heart ache, the heart attack I almost had. I preached at a camp meeting for the district up in Northern California. They asked me to come and be the camp meeting speaker. I thought that was very nice of them. And just outside the camp meeting, there was a gas station. And so I figured when I leave, I'll fill up with gas. So we drove in with the motor home and did our thing and 
Uh, there was another gentleman from Springfield uh, who was the morning speaker, and I was the evening evangelist. Nice guy, really. Had a good time with him. We were there about a week. So we left because we had to go to uh, Oregon to preach in some churches in Oregon. And I said, honey, we need to stop and fill up with gas. I have a 75-gallon tank. We're going back a lot of years, okay, a lot of years, back in the late 90s. Pulled up to the gas pump, and I saw the price. $1.98, I'm going. I'm, we're going back several years. Now we'll be saying, God, please give us $1.98, please. <laughs> Not that day. I looked at 75-gallon tank, 2 bucks a gallon. Are you kidding me? The Lord will provide. I preached in a church. I don't even remember where it was. But there are certain things that always stick in your mind. And I I didn't preach about tithing. I I, I never preached about tithing as an evangelist. That was none of my business. That's the pastor's business. I preached about how God does this, how God does that. And they took a love offering for me. And I'm very grateful for that. And we were going. We were in the foyer. And a man came up to me. Gary, I'll never forget it. This man came up and he said, Pastor, can I talk to you a minute? I said, sure. He said, you really believe God blesses if people give? I said, yes, I do. Now, I don't know this man. I don't know whether he's put anything in the offering. I, I don't know anything. He said, well, he said, God told me I needed to give you a check personally. I said, oh, well, thank you. So he says, I'm writing it out because this is exactly what I think God wants me to put on this check. He wrote a check for $777.77. All sevens. God's perfect. Are you with me? Why will I not forget those things? I can't forget those things. Because God will provide. We have to grab a hold of this truth. I don't care what your age is. You have to grab hold. God knows exactly why he's taking you down this street. He knows exactly what you're going to need while you're going down this street. And he will not withhold anything from you that you need to be successful for God. Are we, I'm, another question. Are we withholding anything from God? Are we, as a church, willing to respond to the test? I don't like tests. Anybody here like tests? But the sacrifice was already there. This is what I've got to get into your head, especially young men like Jacob and Anthony and and Shay. Nick, you're too old. God will always provide. You're going to come back to me one day, and you're going to say, Rudy, can I talk to you? Yeah, sure. Let me tell you what God did for me and how he provided. I'm I'm expecting some of you to come and whisper in my ear. Because if you whisper in my ear, then I can shout it out to everybody. God will provide. The sacrifice was already there. And I, I, I grant you this. You will never, ever forget where... And when you met God's test, you'll never forget it. It'll always be uppermost in your mind. He called it a holy place. I've got to close. Look at the blessings that the angel of the Lord says in verses 15, 16, 17, and 18. The angel Jesus, the angel of the Lord, 
called Abraham a second time from heaven. So I got news for you, dude. By myself, Jesus is talking to him. By myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing. Are you listening? Because you have done, because you obeyed me and have not withheld your son. In other words, you didn't think you had a right to keep everything to yourself and God can't touch this. You can have this stuff over here, God, but don't, no, 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 no. No, because you have done this thing. You have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. Huh? Didn't he say, we're going to go worship? When we're done worshiping, we'll come back to you guys. We'll get you guys. Huh? And they went to Beersheba. Listen to me. Listen to me as I close. The size of the blessing was unbelievable. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, and I need to read this to you. Because Hebrews is, again, going back and checking the Old Testament out. Okay, Hebrews chapter 6. But, beloved, we're convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust. Hello, hello. God is not unjust. God's not going to slap you upside of the head. He's going to get your attention. God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints we desire that each one of you, one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Next. Verse 13. Did you, did you go? There you go. For when God, yeah, verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, listen to this, since he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he, Abraham, obtained the promise. How do you think Abraham feels now? You think he's shaking in fear? I think he's looking up and saying, God, I knew it. I knew, I knew I could trust you. I knew I could trust you. How do you think God felt about Jesus? Now, let me throw this in because without this, you won't see what we've gone through for the last 30 minutes. God needed Abraham and Sarah to build the nation of Israel. Are you with me? Remember, she was barren and he's an old man. They're not going to have any more babies. He heals them both and Isaac is born. God needed this old man and this old lady. And I don't say that in a uh, depressing sort of way or putting her down. She's an old lady, way beyond. Folk, it doesn't matter to God. That you're way beyond what you're normally supposed to be able to do. He can take you.
and revive you and give you life. He needed Abraham, he needed Sarah to build the nation of Israel. And God now trusts Abraham. Now that God says, oh, I, I see what you, you gave me your son. You were, uh, now I can trust you. Now I can build on that, Jason. Now I can use you as a platform, as a foundation. Now I can start building and building and building and building. And so what does God do? He lets Isaac come along. Isaac uh, has Jacob and Esau. Esau is no good, but Jacob continues on. Jacob has 12 sons. One of those 12 sons, his name is Judah. Oh, where does that name come in? The lion of Judah shall break every chain and give us the victory. Again, who is the lion of Judah? Jesus. Hello? Do you think God is dumb? Do you think God's lost his mind? Jesus comes. 2,000 years later from this story, Jesus and Mary show up. Mary gets a visit from, from Gabe, and Gabe says, you don't, Honey, you don't know how blessed you are. He called her honey in my Bible, the Italian-American Bible, yeah. God has blessed you, Mary. You're going to have a baby. I can't have a baby. Yeah, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be a God thing. You know why you're going to have this baby? You're going to name him Jesus. You know why? Because Abraham, way back then, said yes to God when God said, Offer your son to me. You have no idea, no idea, what your obedience today will do tomorrow for someone in your lineage. You have no idea. Because of Abraham and Sarah, we now have what we call Christianity. Hello? There was no Christianity. It was all Judaism. The nation of Israel started with Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. And it's all Judaism, all the way down 2,000 years till Mary has the baby Jesus. And Jesus comes along and changes everything and says, I am the Son of God. I am the Son. I am the living Christ. And suddenly, everything changes from Judaism to Christianity. We sit here because Abraham and Sarah said, okay. And Abraham said, I'll sacrifice my son like you're going to sacrifice your son someday. That's why we're here this morning. That's what this passage is all about. That's why we can't afford to read so quickly through the Bible and not dig and dig and dig and dig. We, these people, Abraham, they're the root of Christianity. What is your obedience going to be the root of? I don't know. But if you choose to obey him, he will use you as a foundation for something very special, not only in your life, but in the life of other people. Well, I really do have to close. Question. How do you think God felt when Jesus died? Sir, I'm serious. I know he's God. I, I got that. But my Bible tells me he had to turn away from him. He couldn't look at, he couldn't look at his son, who was absolutely sinless, with all of your sins, not mine because you're worse than I am, but all of our sins was on his son and God couldn't stand to look at his son. He turned his back. Not that he turned his back on his son or his love for him, but he turned his back. He couldn't look at the filth that you and I deposited on him as he hung on that cross. 
How did God feel when Jesus was resurrected? He sent the Holy Spirit down and said, kick that boy, get him out of that tomb. How do you think God felt when he realized that the sacrifice of his son and the sacrifice of himself giving his son caused all sins to be able to be forgiven? Hello? We've got to go all the way back to Adam, uh, 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 to Abraham and Isaac, who started this chain. God is now looking at his son who is alive, and now he knows that through his son, because of Abraham and Isaac, all sins can be forgiven. How do you think God felt that, that day on Pentecost when 150 crazy people were sitting up in that upper room praising God and listening and worshiping and praising, that the Holy Spirit came upon them, filled them all, and they began to speak? And how do you think God felt that day? Going back to Abraham and Isaac. How do you think God felt that day when Peter got up out of that room and went outside and began to preach the first evangelistic message that says you must accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and 3,000 people got saved? How do you think God felt? And you think maybe he let Abraham and Isaac watch that and maybe he's just kind of God's patting them on the head. You did a good job. You did a good job. Because they can see what's going on. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews says. What about us? We have all this because Abraham said, I'll obey. We have all this because Isaac said, I'll obey. My question to us, to all of us, me included, will we obey God? Will we obey the test? Or we will or will we let the test kill us? Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Are you ready? That's what God's asking. Are we willing to obey and let Him use us and flow through us that down the road? Whatever, how, wherever that road leads and however long it is, down the road like we got to the, finally got to the cross and God provided all of that on the cross. What does God want us to be able to provide down the road as a church? Who do you love that doesn't know the Lord? You still praying for him? How about that neighbor that you've been friends with for years? Or a relative? Or your boss? No None of us deserved God's love. But Jesus said, I'll take care of that. And God said, okay, son, you die for them and I'll, I'll, I'll deal with the issues. And why? Because God loves us. This church is important. I have said to you before, when I was first here three years ago, because you were growing and growing, and we'll do it again, this church has the potential of being a church of 500. I said that. I'll never forget it. You can look at me like I'm crazy because maybe I am. I don't care. I know what God can do when one man says, here I am, and the son says, okay, dad, I'll do what you ask. When we obey, God opens the doors and provides everything you need. I don't know what you need. I really don't. I don't know what's on your heart, but God does. And he's looking at you and he's looking at me and said, I'm here. 
I can handle this with you. I can make things work. I can straighten out what needs to be straightened out. I can heal the relationships. I can make you what I want you to be. Men of God. Women of God. So that God is honored in everything we do. If you believe that, say amen. Oh, no, 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 no. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Then act it. Use it. Grab it. And do what God wants you to do. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, God, what will we do without your word? Thank you for helping us to dig and dig and dig until we see the reality of how much you love us. You've done so much to bring us to this point in life. And we need you, Holy Spirit. You know that. You know that we believe we're living in the last days. We, we believe that with all our hearts. And we know that you have to show up and bring revival through the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that. We want to be ready for that revival in this valley. We want to be ready to see our doors open and people running in here saying, I've got to get right with God. I've got to get right with God. And maybe this morning you're praying for someone that you feel needs to get right with God. We want, we want God to touch them. Keep your heads bowed. You know that I, I, tr- I keep things close at hand. I don't get nosy. But maybe you've got someone that needs to find God. We want to pray with you. Just raise your hand quickly. Say, Pastor, yes, I'm pr- I, need, I need prayer for so-and-so. Anyone at all. Just raise your hand. Yes, I see, I see those hands. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, four hands. Yes, five hands. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, yes, I see your hand. You, someone close to you. Needs, yes, I see your hand. Thank you. God bless you. A whole bunch of you in this room are asking God to do something that you can't do by yourself. Father, look at us. Look at us, Lord. We love you. You know that. We're here this morning because we believe in obedience. And we are praying this morning, Holy Spirit, that you'll take our love and our faith and turn it into something positive. Abraham would not be able to bring his son back to life. And Abraham knew that. But he knew you could. And that's why he followed through. We can't save anybody, Lord. But we know you can. And so we make the sacrifice of ourselves to pray for our loved ones or friends, whoever they may be, that you, Holy Spirit, can touch them to the point where they want to run to the house of God and give their hearts to Jesus. Bless this church, Lord. I know they're a lot away on vacation. Bless them. Keep your hand upon them. Keep them safe. But keep us together as a family, praying together for one another that the will of God, the will of God, will be perfected in our lives. The sacrifice is already there All we have to do is obey, and you will provide. Bless us this morning. Bless us as we fellowship after the service. Those who have needs that wish me to pray with them, I will stay here. But Lord, bless us so that we can glorify your name. We ask it together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, God bless you.